Welcome back to The Brandon White Show, where we have conversations worth listening to give you an edge to win in your business and your life. I'm your host, Brandon White. Here we go. Today, we are talking about what is, what is, tongue twister, Matt, what is an HCE, highly compensated employee, and how does it affect your 401k Yeah, yeah. Plan? HCEs are very important. And HCE stands for highly compensated employee, basically, if you're not, if you're not aware of that. So in the 401k world, um, this kind of goes into the annual testing conversation that 401ks have. And if you're not really sure about that, we'll dive into that too on a later episode. But basically, highly compensated employees are thought of in the 401k space as an owner. They're not technically owners, or sometimes they can be depending on percentage. But an HCE is basically, by definition, for 2022, it's 100, anybody who makes over $135,000 is one, or they own 5% or more, regardless of how much you pay, how much they're being paid um, a salary or, or income through the company. So that is by definition what an HCE is. But it also includes certain family members too. That there's a, there's a lot of gray area involved in this. But when it comes to family members, so the spouse is always considered a high HCE, whether you pay them very little or over the one. Th- they're always considered an HCE. Parents, children, grandparents, people who are not relatives who are not an HCE would be siblings and grandchildren. So. When it comes to the annual testing and plan design of a 401k, it's really important to to let them know or the administrator know when they're designing it, who's involved, who's an employee, who's an owner. Because when it comes to plan design, it has a lot to do with how much you as the owner can contribute. Okay. So there's some rules in, in, in the annual testing. So step one is if you don't have a safe harbor, a safe harbor bypasses all of these annual testing requirements that these foreign case have. But if you don't, and you want to build this from scratch and kind of mold it the way you want, the owners and the HC are limited on how much money they can actually contribute into a foreign K. So into their own balance, if you will, the, the, as an employee of your own company. I didn't know this. <laughs> so the trigger is $135,000. So how does this, affect your 401k plan and what are the implications of this this goes into if you have full-time employees okay and in the previous episode i kind of talked about how the secure act made changes and full-time employees or anybody who is a thousand hours w2 of course w2 a thousand hours or more there's some new rules that we'll talk about later at some point part-time employees can be eligible now too but if you have full-time employees, there's always an annual test. And if you have what we call a traditional or just standard 401k, it's kind of, um, I call it a cafeteria style plan where you can pick and choose your matching and your vesting schedule. And just, I want to keep it kind of simple. Really, you're limited to 2% over the average if you're an HC or an owner. So for example, let's say you have 10 employees and the average is 5% is the average. So you have a bunch of people who are doing half the people are doing 10% of their own contribute of their own salary. They're contributing 10% of their salary into their 401k and the other half are doing zero. So that average would be five, right? The owners are only allowed to put in seven and the HCE are only allowed to put in seven. So that 
comes into plan design and how, you know what kind of match are you doing and how do we drag that out to get more people to contribute at higher inter- higher percentages or you switch over to a safe harbor 401k which checks off all the testing and you don't have to worry about that then you're allowed to max out your contributions it's almost as if if you can get away and you're a business owner and you control this that you can pay yourself a buck 25 or less that you benefit great as it relates to to maximizing your 401k contributions it makes more sense to do that but there's sensitivity there because if you're doing 25 million dollars in revenue and you're only paying yourself a buck 25 and you're let's just say you're running this as an S corp and you get audited they could come back and say you're running a $25 million company, you're throwing off $5 million in profit, and you're paying yourself a buck twenty-five. That is not a market rate. I'm not I'm not saying and listeners, you should consult your 401k plan advisor like Matt or whoever's doing that for you and your accountant to make sure that you're doing this. This isn't a set rule, but it's guidance based on, in my case, two decades of getting a lot of shit wrong. And probably the same thing for for Matt dealing with tons of clients and and doing it for himself. So you got to make sure that it all the story makes sense. You can you can focus, and we're focused on four hundred one ks here, but you do need to zoom out and understand what your whole story as a company really looks yeah, like. Is absolutely. that fair to say, and, Matt? And yeah, th- there's there's a few other pieces to this, and enough. Well, I just. Go for it. The, the other side of the test is they're not even allowed to have more than 60% of the assets of the plan either. That's another test that you have to go through. So if you have full-time employees, you have to monitor this or you check off the box and get a safe harbor for and k you don't have to worry about it. But if you fail a test, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna get there's no penalty unless you don't fix it before the March deadline. But you will get a check back and your your highly compensated employees will get checks back at the end of the year. And that's not a good look sometimes for the employees. So you need to be able to get these passed. And it has to come down to plan design, education meetings to really benefit the employee, especially the HCE. Because once they start getting checks back and they can't get these tax deductions on their own, there's going to have some conversations out there. Yeah, because you just handed them. While you gave them some money back, you did hand them a tax bill that they might not otherwise plan for. The good news is I did get a check back. So a portion of that, at least they have cash flow to be able to pay that. I, I, this isn't the topic of this specific episode, Matt, but I, can you touch on, you've said it two or three times. If you have a safe harbor plan and you check the box there that you don't have these tests, is there, is that an option? Why wouldn't someone based on the limits that we're giving them, why, why wouldn't you just do a safe Harbor? Yeah. Cause you know, costs, you know, administration costs are generally the same. There's no out of pocket, but really, so when we talk to a a client, we always ask the first question is what is your primary motivator for the plan? Is it to maximize your own contributions or is it to retain and recruit high quality employees? And sometimes 
if the priority isn't for you to max out, then we kind of tend to go towards this traditional plan that does have the testing and you can pick and choose and fit your budget. So instead of a three, 4% match that these safe harbors have, then you can say, okay, I, I want to do 25% up to eight or something like that. And you can kind of build it however you want, really. And I want to have a, a, a vesting schedule that goes out four years or something. So the safe harbor has, this is the best way to explain it, pre-approved IRS matching investing schedules. So as long as you fi- follow those pre-approved schedules, then you as the employer, the IRS says, okay, this is a fair plan. Everything goes back to the fairness to the employees. We want you to do these things, and then you can do whatever you want. That's basically the summary of a safe harbor four hundred and K plan. Well, I appreciate you mentioning yeah. that, and I'm sure we'll do a longer episode at some point about it. But I wanted to at least inform listeners and viewers of this episode. Is there anything else we missed about that? Kind of covers it. It's, it's if you have HCEs. A lot of times it's sales folks inside the company. Then you have to look at things a little bit differently. You have to make sure the plan design is 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 well intact and having ongoing education meetings to incentivize and educate the employees saying this, you have to get your contributions up. And it's an annual, I don't want to say battle, but it's an annual conversation. Okay, this year you did it. You passed it. Great. And then next year, if it's low, you have to jump in and, and start making some changes. So there you have it. When you're designing your 401, K plan, you need to understand and keep in mind your HCEs, which go beyond just owners. Other people in your companies can qualify because of how much money they make, how much equity they have, and things like that. So keep that in mind. Matt, in our next episode, we're going to talk about 401k control groups and when you have to include Mm -hmm. your other companies. So we're looking forward to you dropping (laughs) some knowledge on us on what exactly that means, because if you don't understand control groups, you could wind up with a bad situation of one of the other companies that you control the majority of. We'll go into that in the next episode. Matt, thanks a lot for joining us and talking about these today.